There's a very, very beautiful story that's told about Rapam, that he was once vacationing in New Hampshire in a city called Bethlehem. And he developed a very high fever. And suddenly he felt very weak. And he said to his wife, he said to his Rebetzin that he has to faint. He's about to faint. So his wife got very panicked. And she ran to one of the neighbors in this vacation town. And the neighbor immediately ran in with a lemon. And she told her palm that he should bite into the lemon and that's going to revive him. And he just listened and he bit into the lemon and he like swallowed it almost. He was like chewing the lemon and sucking up its juices and it revived him. And it was a tremendous thing. And he was so makirtaiv to the neighbor and to the fact that this lemon was able to bring him back. And as he was telling this story over to his son a few days later, he all of a sudden remembered that there was a midah kneged midah involved that 25 years earlier he was visiting somebody in the nursing home and he had brought an orange with him. Rapam brought an orange and the person that he was visiting already had fruit, he didn't need it. And Rapam noticed that there was a yid in the nursing home near where his friend was that was paralyzed. He couldn't speak and he couldn't move and Rapam offered him an orange, and he, with his eyes, he motioned that he would love one. And Rapam peeled the orange for him, broke it up into individual pieces, and gave him the orange, and he was eating it up with such gusto, like it was Mamish reviving him. And he couldn't say thank you, but with his eyes, he was smiling, and he was being makritaived to Rapam with his eyes. And Rapam remembered that, that 25 years before he had given Achila this orange, the citrus, and it revived him so. And he says that maybe for that reason, Hashem waited until the moment that he needed that chesed, and the neighbor would come in with this lemon and give it to him. And he also swallowed it up with such gusto, and it saved his life. I personally had a very similar story not too long ago. You know, as many of you might know, I, I was, uh, it's been a difficult couple of months. And I had some surgery, and then immediately after the surgery, a day after the surgery, I got very, very sick. I'm still not sure whether it was as a result of the surgery, or if it was a flu, or it was COVID, or it was something, but for weeks and weeks, I was not able to, uh, to function. I was freezing cold. I had to stay under the covers day and night. And I lost my appetite entirely. I had zero, zero appetite. And I wasn't able to eat. So it was good for me for a while. It was cute for a while because I could, you know, I, I needed to lose a little weight or a lot of weight. But, um, but after a while, it started getting very concerning. You know, when you have no appetite, that's not good. That's eventually going to be a big problem. And everything that was brought into the house, I just, I could not even think about eating. The only thing that I was able to eat at the end was fruit. And I would like also, like I was so hungry and so thirsty that I would just take, you know, a grapefruit or an orange and I would just like 
kimat swallow it whole. I was so famished. And the only thing that was able to mechayim me was, was citrus, with just these fruits that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made, these fruits with beautiful colors and textures and tastes and pulp and juice. And there's something very magnificent about this particular thing that we are, that is so ubiquitous. We're so used to fruits, but if you understand what a fruit really is, fruit is not just another thing to put on a table and to enjoy. A fruit is really a life-giving uh, necessity. I remember, you know, as, as we're speaking, I remember that I was, we were studying about, you know, back when I was a little kid, about the uh, explorers and how they, uh, they were on these boats for months and months at a time and they were suffering from certain uh, ailments as a result of the fact that they weren't eating fruit for so long. If you don't eat fruit, then it's really, uh, you know, you get very sick from it. What was the name of that? Scurvy, scurvy right, I thought so. Scurvy, the, the, you suffer from scurvy. Fruit is not just a necessity. Fruit is an absolute, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. And it's life-giving. It's mamish mechayim to many, many people. Ki ha'adam The pasuk in Devarim, Parachaf, famous pasuk that man is like a tree of the field. A man is like a tree... What does that mean, a man is like a tree? We couldn't be more different than, than trees. Trees are stationary. Trees don't have a brain. Trees don't uh, have tired mitzvahs. Trees are... What does it mean that a man is like a tree? So the morale says that just like a tree has branches and it has fruit and it has shade, man also has many, many things to give it gives shade and it gives fruit and it gives all types of moral and intellectual and spiritual fruit. Those are all things that man does, very similar to a tree that gives and gives and gives. Man also has the capacity to continuously give. But I think in, in terms of the context of what we're speaking tonight, man gives off fruit just like Trees give off fruit. And we're celebrating Tubishvat today, tonight, it's actually Matsaitish about Tubishvat, but we're still within the rarefied airspace of Tubishvat, so we could still talk about it. Man has the ability to give off fruit that's life giving. How? Because man has the ability to save other people's lives and give Hanah to other people when they need it. The Birchah Sa'ilanis, that Amir Tzashem will be zeichah to say in Chaydesh Nisan, says that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates Briyais Taivais, good creatures, V'ilanais Taivim, and good trees, Lehanais Ba'am B'nei Adam, so that trees are able to be Mahana other people. And people are able to mahana other people. The fruit that man has from his tree is the ability to give over life, mamish life to other people. Reb Chaim Velazhner used to famously say, his son quotes him in Nakdama to Nefesh HaChaim, says that, that Ha'adam Nivra, man was not created 
except to be native to other people as much as he possibly can. The only reason why we were created is in order to do taivas for one another, to help one another, to save one another, to be there for one another. Like the fruit is able to give chiyos to Rav Pam and to that person in the nursing home and to me and to so many countless people around the globe, their whole lifeline is a fruit. Man has fruits. Man is able to save people. How is he able to save people? You don't have to join Hatzalah. You don't have to join Chaverim. There are so many easier ways to save people and things that we don't even realize. But we say every, every time we say Kiddush Levana, we say, we, I'm sorry, when we say Magin Aves on Friday night, we say Mechaye Mesim B'Mamare. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mechaye Mesim with His Word. And I've seen Hasidish Asfarim that write that what that means is that man has the ability to, to be Mechaye Mesim, how? B'Mamare with His Words. Sometimes you could say something to somebody and you're mamish mechayim You mamish give a person the ability to live just by saying something nice. We all know how many times we've been down and then hopefully somebody has come over to us when we're not feeling so good about ourselves and they say to us something that gives us chizuk. You're looking good. You're doing amazing. Keep it up. I'm proud of you. You're amazing, you're unbelievable. You daven so nicely, you're learning so well. It might have been when we were young that we heard these words, it might have been today. But it's Mechaye Mesim Mamish. There are people that really can't live until somebody tells them something nice. And we could be that person that goes around, Lehana Ispan B'nai Adam, to be Mahana other people. And be mechaye mesim amamari to tell people things that will lift them up, that will make them change their entire life. Very often, it's one comment that you can make to a person that will change the entire trajectory of their life. They might not have felt good about themselves; they might have looked in a mirror and said, "I'm worthless." But suddenly, you came over to them and you invited them to go somewhere. You invited them to, uh, you know, to go out to eat with them, to go bowling with them. I remember years ago in yeshiva, there was a boy that was very depressed. And a group came over to me and said, what can we do to be, we want to pick him up. So we came up with an idea that should go and take him out. Go, go bowling with him and go uh, take him out to eat. And they did that. And I'm telling you, this person's entire life changed. At that moment, he became happy. He felt like a human being. He felt popular. He, he ended up getting married, having a beautiful mishpacha, getting a great job, all because there were people that actually took note of the fact that he wasn't in a good place, and they did something about it. There's a beautiful story that's told that there was a, a young child who was part of Yachad. Yachad is a, I'm sure you all know better than I, there is you know, an organization that, that deals with um, and helps out and, and gives chizuk to, to, to physically challenged uh, youth. And they have a camp 
And in the summer, there was one of the campers that was challenged. Uh, it was his bar mitzvah. And his parents decided that instead of bringing him home and making a bar mitzvah back where they live, they're going to make the bar mitzvah in the camp itself. And one of the counselors offered the parents that as part of the bar mitzvah, would it be okay if I would speak? They said, sure, you know, we have a band, we have food, we have, uh, you know, we have everything, and uh, of course we need speeches. It would be wonderful if you could speak. He knew the child, and he had something that he wanted to address the child about. And it wasn't just the child that he had to address, which was going to be difficult for him, but most of the room was comprised of children that were yachad children that, you know, that, that had disabilities, and it was you know, going to be a challenge to keep them excited as well and into it. And he said as follows, he said a, a beautiful idea. He says, does anybody, anyone ever hear of Rav Meisha Feinstein? And a lot of the children raised their hands. Yeah, we heard of Ramesha, Ramesha. And he said, who is Ramesha? The God of Adar. Very, very good. Did anyone ever hear of Rav Shleim Zalman Auerbach? And they all raised their hands. Yeah, yeah, who is he? The Paisik Adar. God of Adar. Excellent. Did anyone hear of Rav Yashiv? And again, so many of them knew who that was. And he went through... Nine Gedele Yisrael, and after he went through nine Gedele Yisrael, he says, "Now we've identified nine great Jewish leaders, giants, Torah giants." And he looks at the Bar Mitzvah Bacher and he says to him, "I want you to know something and listen to me very, very clearly." He says, "If those nine giants were in the room right now." And they want to make a minion for Mincha. Would they be able to make a minion? And everybody in the room goes, No! Why not? Because we need uh, ten people. He looks at the Bar Mitzvah, he says, But if you would be in the room with those nine G'day Yisrael, as great as they are, they would be reliant on you now, now that you're Bar Mitzvah, you would enable these G'dayli Yisrael to daven with a tzibur. And the Bachar Habar Mitzvah was smiling from ear to ear. He felt so special. He was basking in the glory of being a Bar Mitzvah, being somebody that was mechiv and mitzvahs. And with all the challenges that he had, and with all of the weight on his shoulders, and all the millions of reasons why he could be sad, he chose to be happy. Because he realized how special he was. That's Kiyodamets Hasada. We have the ability to pick up people with our words. It doesn't cost us any money. You don't have to spend a dime. You just have to go over to somebody, even somebody that's doing well, and pick up their spirits even more. But when there's somebody that's down and out, don't ignore them. Don't look at them like they're lepers and we don't want to catch whatever they have. We don't want to get into that depressing zone. You have the ability to lift them up and to make them feel so good about themselves and you're literally being Mechaya Mesim. Literally. The great Rav Shlema Freifeld, Rashiva of Shar Yashiv, said of Vart, 
from the Alexander Rebbe, from one of the great Gedele HaChasidim. There's a Pasuk in Shmuel, in Shmuel Aleph, that describes David HaMelech before he became king. And it describes that he was once in a cave. And he was with a, in a cave with a chevra, but it was a bunch of like social misfits, if you will. People that were not really so high on their, uh, you know, in their stature of, of life. And the Pasuk describes who was he surrounded by David at that point. Kol ish matzuk. Every person that was full of distress, every man that was distressed, was with him in that cave. V'chal ish asher loy noisha, loy with above. Every man that had a creditor, meaning people were running after him, they owed money, these people, and they had creditors, maybe they were hiding from them. Every man that had a creditor, he was also hanging around with David HaMelech. And Ishmar Nefesh, every person that was embittered spirits. So look at the chevra that David HaMelech, the future David HaMelech, was surrounded by. He had whoever had distress, he was stressed out, anxious, nervous, all of the things that so many people in life have. I was listening the other day to, a, um, you know, to some experts discussing um, the, the state of our generation, speaking about the from community, but more broadly, everybody, and how many people, especially since COVID, but before COVID, how many people have anxiety today? How many people are nervous, are stressed? And look at us. We, we also, we all have stresses, I think. No, no one is stress-free, unfortunately. We have stresses about, about the immediate, about our, our grades and about our, uh, our learning and about our college and about our future, our careers, parnasa, shidochem, family issues, social issues, whatever we have, physical issues, medical issues, we all have so much anxiety. And David HaMelech was hanging out with Isha Shalai Matzuk. He was... They had distress. They had stress in their lives. People that had creditors, they were under financial duress. People were running after them. You owe me this, you owe me that. Ishmar Nefesh, people that had bittered spirits. They were down and out. They weren't feeling good about themselves. They were bitter. They weren't happy. They forgot how to smile. David HaMelech, those were his surroundings. Says the Alexander Rebbe, David HaMelech didn't just sit with depressed people. He wanted to rehabilitate them. You know how he rehabilitated them? Let's look at the Pasuk again. Kal ish matzuk. V'chal ish asher Ish mar nefesh. He described them as an ish. He described them as a man. He says, don't forget who you are. You're great. You're not just a person that's broken and bitter. You're an ish. You're a man. You're a person that has greatness within. You're B'Tselem Elikim Nivra. Don't forget who you are. Never forget who you are. You're great. And one by one, each of those people that were with David HaMelech in the cave were revitalized, were refreshed, were renewed. They felt again like a man. He was able to bring them back to life. He was Mechayim Esim by calling them an ish, by reminding them that you're great. That's our 
mission in life. That's our charge. Every one of us. No one is pot there. I'm talking to you. And I'm talking to myself. That's our charge in life. If you have the ability to be feeling functional, you have the ability to make other people functional. And it's so much easier. So much easier than we believe. We just have to... We have to infuse other people with confidence, with optimism, remind them of their bright future ahead, remind them that they're an ish, they're a gavra. If you remind somebody that they're a gavra, eventually they'll come back. If everybody's pushing them down, or he's pushing himself down, he's going to be broken, shivre kalim, and sometimes, like Humpty Dumpty, you will never be able to fix him. But if you can catch a person before they fall off the wall, and you could save him, and you can make a net for him, so that he lands safely in life, then you have literally given a person the ability to breathe and to live and to function. And everything that accrues, accrues to you. The life, the, the marriage, the, the children, the grandchildren, the great-great-grandchildren, the tzedakah, the chesed, all that comes out as a result of what you did that one day, maybe. Halavai should continue, and you should continue that relationship and foster it. But even by saying one nice line to somebody, by saying, wow, you're looking really good, I like your haircut. Is that a new tie? I love that tie. If you're able to do that, then you have it all. I remember literally probably the first or second year that I was mashkiach here. So it's going back 20 years. I started as mashkiach when I was five. So it was about 20 years ago. And um, so... There was a bacher that came over to me. I remember exactly who it was. It's about a thousand Talmidim later, but I remember exactly. We were in an elevator together, and he says, I really like your tie, Rebbe. It's a gorgeous tie. It made me feel good about myself. You know what I did? I took off the tie and I gave it to him. I said, if you complimented me on my tie, you deserve my tie. Now every day somebody's going to compliment me on my tie. <laughs> but... I said, it's your tie. And Hitaka started wearing it a lot, maybe too much. And then years later, maybe two years ago, I think it was a COVID wedding, so it must have been about two, three years ago, um, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen him at all. But I went right over to him as soon as I saw him, like this is Mamish, like 16 years after that incident, and I said, how's my tie? And he, we laughed, and he said, he still uses it. But the point is that I remember somebody that gave me a compliment. I don't consider myself always, you know, needing of compliments, but we all need compliments. But I remember 16 years later when somebody said to me a very, you know, nice compliment. I remember it. And I think we all remember the compliments that we got. It might have been from a first grade Rebbe or a third grade English teacher or it might have maybe, you know, from a counselor in camp or somebody that gave us a nice word and said that, wow, you're amazing and how that sticks with us, how it makes us feel alive. It makes us feel like we're relevant, that we're worthy, that we have a, there's a place for us in society, we have a future. Just a little compliment. It wasn't even about me, it was about my tie makes you feel good. It's Shleishim Yayim Kaidim Achag. 30 days before the Heilag Achag Purim, our favorite Yantiv. And 
I want to tell you a, a life-altering vart that I saw once from a Vessler. I never saw it in his actual Ksavim, so I can't vouch for the fact, but I saw it quoted in his name, and I love this vart. I've said it many, many times. I've said it by yeshiva dinners. I love the vart. Rav Dessler asks, how is it that Esther Hamalka, who was the Yisayma mina Ava mina Aim, she was orphaned from her father and her mother. We know the Gemara in Megillah that when she, was, when she was a fetus in her mother's womb, her father died. And then as she was coming out, her mother died. She was mamish, a textbook Yisayma. There is no asterisk by her. She was a pure Yisayma. There's no Dion in Alacha whether or not she is a Yisayma. She was a pure Yisayma. If there's a Yisayma in history, it was Esther. And Esther and Malka grew up and somehow, some way, this orphan, in an aim that you would have written off as being the least likely to succeed, she ends up being the queen of the whole world, 127 nations, countries. She ends up being the person who saves Klal Yisrael. And she goes down in history as being the greatest woman of all time, practically. How do you do that? How do you go from being a Yisayman Avamina Aim with nothing, no money, no parents, no home, no family, no immediate family? How do you do that? How do you go from being that to being the queen of the universe? How does that happen? There has to be some trick. Rab Dessler says the following Yisayman. He says that the Pasuk tells us how this happened. The Pasuk says, Vayihi Oimein es hadasa. Mardachai, the simple taich is, he, he, he raised her, he adopted her, he nourished her, different taich in what vayhi oimein es hadasa is. But Rav Dessler says a unique pshat in what it means vayhi oimein es hadasa. Oimein is from a lashon of emuna. Belief. Every day, Mardachai would say to Esther, I believe in you. I believe in you. Compliment. I believe in you. I'm Aymen. I have Amuna in you. I believe in you. I believe in your future. You will someday get married. You will someday have a family. You will someday be uh, a grandmother and a great-grandmother. You will someday be able to do amazing things. We don't know what they are yet, but you'll see. You're, you're destined for greatness, Esther. And when somebody is able to every day get a dose of confidence and say, have somebody say to them, I believe in you, then watch out because great things are going to come from that person. If a person does not have that healthy dose of confidence, then... It's not saying it's impossible, but it's very hard for that person to really be strong enough internally and emotionally and healthy enough to be able to accomplish the things that they need to in life because they don't feel they're, they're lacking, they're starving, they're famished for a little covet, a little attention. Esther Hamalka, it's true, she had very humble beginnings, but if you have a Mardachayat Sadik saying every day, I believe in you, then that person could become Esther Amalka. I said this over once, like I said at a yeshiva dinner, a big yeshiva dinner, and the next morning I got a call 
or actually the, she told me, I think, in person, actually, she said, I want you to know that it made a very big reishimam. This is a, a, a Rebetzin that has a very chash of a family, amazing children. But when she heard that part, she said, I want you to know this morning, I woke up my kids and said, I believe in you, I believe in you, I believe in you. She was like shaking them in their pajamas because she wanted to like make sure to make up for any you know, lack of emunah that she had in them for all the years. If we would be able to see our children in, in a light of vahi aymen, to see our friends, to see our family, see our siblings, we could change the world. We can make the people around us shine and glow and, and, and be able to accomplish things that are unbelievable, are incredible. When you see people that are doing great things, then understand that it didn't come in a vacuum. It happened because there are people behind them that are giving them confidence. It might be a wife, it might be a husband to a wife, it might be a, a parent, it might be a sibling, but we all need it. We need it more than we need food. We need that type of nourishment. The nourishment of being able to have people tell us you're amazing. We have the ability as trees, as human trees, to give off this fruit that's life-giving, that's mechaye mesim, the fruit that we have is simply our words and our deeds and our actions. The ability to see with new eyes, with fresh eyes, other people. We're very, very, and it's not our fault. This is how we're wired. Everybody is wired to focus inward. We're focused on ourselves, right? Aren't we? We focus day and night. If you think about it, if you examine it, how am I learning? How is my davening? How am I going to do this? Where am I going to be for Pesach? Where am I going to be in the summer? Do I have a job set up? How am I, you know, what career am I going to go through? Who do I have to do this for? Who do I? We're constantly thinking about ourselves. That's how we're why We have to. That's how nature is, because otherwise we wouldn't take care of ourselves. So we have to take care of ourselves. But in the process, because we're very often so self-centered, if you will, or self-focused, because of that, we often lose sight of having vision for others. So even if we're nice to other people, it's just really also self-serving. It's because I have to be nice to this person. If I'm not nice to my parents, they're going to take my credit card away. If I'm not nice to, you know, to my Rebbe, then he's not going to give me the mark that I, that I think I deserve. Or if I'm not... So it's even being nice is very often... And that's fine. That's also... But that's still internal. A person that's great, a person that's a tubashvat yid, a person who has the ability to give off this luscious fruit, this citrus, lemons and oranges and grapefruits of, of glory, is the ability to have, to stop thinking about oneself all the time, day and night, day and night, and start, suddenly develop a set of eyes or a pair of glasses that's able to not look so much at myself, but to look at you and to see you as somebody that might be hungry. Hungry for a compliment. Hungry for credit. Hungry for 
praise, for a nice word, for, a, for something, for a hug. And when you start seeing people in that way, then you're a gadol. A gadol is somebody like Meshra Abena, Vayigdal Meshra, Vayetzel Echav, Vayarbis of Laysam. When you go out to your brothers, like Meshra Abena did, he was sitting in the palace. He was on top of the world. He didn't need to do this. He could have just kept looking inward and focusing inward. But Meshra Abena didn't. He broke out of his comfort zone. He left the air conditioned palaces of Parai. And he went to the hot fields of Egypt and he saw his brethren. He saw what they were going through. He saw their troubles. He saw their duress. He saw their mitzikos. He saw their noisha. He saw their ish marlev. He saw all of these people. And he said, no, no, you're an ish. You're not an eved. You're a ben chayren. You're malchus. And he kept on telling Klai Yisrael that I believe in you. And he created Klai Yisrael from that. That's godless. Godless is, I become a tree of giving, not just taking. You have to give. Trees take, they take rain, they take uh, oxygen, they take, uh, you know, the whole photosynthesis process is, involves taking, but then they start giving. Tubishvat is a day that something is happening in the roots of trees, even if we don't see them, even if the trees look dead. But there's something that's percolating, something that's going on under the ground, under the surface. The sap is starting to come and give life to the tree so that we're going to see the fruit soon. And tonight is our Tubishvat moment. It's when we begin to mature and to see ourselves as that tree that's going to be able to have luscious fruits and to give off those fruits to other people, to give oranges, to give lemons like Rapam to other people when they need it because they're going to suck it up. They're going to need that, that, that citrus, that injection, so badly that they're going, you'll see. As soon as you say a compliment to somebody, it doesn't matter who it is. A person needs a compliment. I once heard from Rafai Volkon, he just was nifter maybe uh, two months ago. He was the Badei HaSholchan. He wrote uh, classics on, on Yerideya. If, you, if you're going for smicha, you're going to learn the Badei HaSholchan. It's like a Mishnah Bura on Nida and on Taruvis and on Basar V'chalav and on Malicha. And on... He's unbelievable. I used to daven in his shul. He's a gain Eilam, a genius, but a very, very fine person. And, you know, a real, a real Tamil Chacham, but a real Bal Musar and everything. And Rib Faival um, had the ability to make other people feel so good about himself, themselves. And he told me once, he's, I don't think he said it to me, I think he said it in a Joshua, but he says, you have to give compliments. You have to go, he said about himself, and he was an Adam Gadol. He, you know, he would, you'd think he'd be Potter. But he said, if I read an article in, let's say, a, a newspaper or a magazine, and you liked what the person wrote, so he says, I find out the author's telephone number, even though t- there was no Google back then, I don't think he would have had it even if there was, but he had to go and do research and find out, you know, the person's telephone number, and he'd call them and compliment them. He says, if you hear a drasha, and he says, even if it's from a big darshaner, you think that, like, 
you don't need to go over to that person. That person is world-renowned. A you know, person is, uh, you know, whatever, one of these huge super, you know, speakers that, uh, that everybody, they, they pack the house every time they speak. So you don't have to go over to them and say, wow, you did a great job, because they know they did a great job. It's unnecessary. Five said no. Those people maybe need the compliment more because nobody gives them a compliment. If a Rebbe of yours gives a shear, gives a shmuz, gives a vad, gives a, gives a tubeshvad tish, hello? Um, <laughs> go over afterwards and say, wow, you spoke amazing. You gave such chizak. It was beautiful. And I know most of you do that anyway without me telling you. But it's something that means so much. It means so much for, if you tell Michal, you know, what a great job he did. And not, not, you're not just saying, he did do a great job. And we have to thank him for doing a great job. And when you go over to people that deserve a compliment, it makes them feel good. It makes them go home and, you know, and feel like it was a geshmaka evening. And if nobody gives a compliment, which happens, I'm sure, very often also, regardless of how great you are, it's like, mm, maybe I didn't do so good. Maybe I didn't do my job. Ramesha Feinstein used to go to the kitchen after a yeshiva dinner. Who goes to, who go, anyone ever go to a chasna or go to a yeshiva dinner or go to any, uh, any big function and then you go into the kitchen afterwards and, and tell the cook and tell the waiters and tell what a great job they did and how delicious the food was? Who does that? Nobody does that. Ramesha Feinstein happened to have done that. And it was no coincidence that it was Ramesha Feinstein because when you're a gadol, that's what you are. You're thinking constantly of how am I going to how am I going to change another person's life? How am I going to be vayarbisiv loisam? Maybe they need it. Maybe they need a compliment, and they do. It's not a suffolk. It's a vade. Everybody needs a compliment. Everybody needs chizuk. Everybody needs your fruit. So why don't you give it to them? Tonight has to start the process of thinking about a thing like a gadol. If we haven't until now, then we start tonight. We start getting the sap boiling in us, in us, so that by the time that the Nissan comes around and that, but even before that, but especially as now we have time, Purim is coming, Pesach is coming, these are times that are misugal in the year to give chizuk to other people. This is the godless that we could aspire to. Kia Adam Eitz Hasadah.